to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Wednesday, March 22nd, we are studying John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. In today's text, Jesus elaborates on the new commandment that he gave earlier in his upper room discourse. The disciples' love for each other is based on the greatest love, the love that he has shown by laying down his life for them. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Andrew Preuss. Pastor Preuss serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in New Haven, Missouri. Pastor Preuss, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thanks for having me back. So we get started today, Pastor Preuss. Help us with some context. We're in the middle of John 15 today. Lots of words in red in these chapters of John as he speaks to his disciples in the upper room. What do we need to remember from this discourse and elsewhere in John's gospel that'll help us with our verses today? Yeah, so we're going to see Jesus repeating this new commandment that he has given to his disciples. Um, we're in the middle, we're smack dab in the middle of, uh, or perhaps near the end, of what are known as the farewell discourses. So this is the night that Jesus is betrayed by Judas into the hands of the uh, the, the Sanhedrin um, and the beginning of Jesus's passion. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples uh, some you know, very, very important basic things, uh, kind of bringing to fulfillment what, why he has come, what he's about to do, and what this means for them. And, you know, there's all sorts of things. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about the Father um, and him going to the Father. But here he's, he's going to repeat this new commandment, uh, which he gave near the beginning after he had washed his disciples' feet. Uh, he then told them that he gives them a new commandment. That's in uh, chapter 13, verse 34. And that is to love one another as I have loved you. And I actually just went over this. And we're going through John's gospel in, 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 in my confirmation class, my catechism class. Mm. Um, and I'd like, yeah, I just want them to get through a book of the Bible, you know, yeah. and, and John, I think is probably the best one. Although, Next year, I might just do Mark because it's shorter, and uh, <laughs> they 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 have the confirmation only goes through Palm Sunday, so I don't know if we're going to finish John, um, but I hope they all. You, you could keep reading it after they're confirmed, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of get into it. <laughs> but I was explaining to them, you know, the 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 first thing that I teach the kids, I really instill in them, is what are the two main teachings of the Bible. And the the law and the gospel, and this new commandment that Jesus gives is it has two clauses: love one another, and I have loved you. And so I asked yesterday, and I was really proud of all of them, uh, all six of them, I think. Uh, I asked them all, "What? Uh, where's the which one? Which clause is the law? Which clause is the gospel?" And they all got it right. Um, the the love one another is the law, and as I've loved you, is the gospel. And that really does summarize the entirety of Jesus's whole instruction is the law and the gospel. And, and when we talk about commandment, uh, the word there is entele, uh, which, uh, which if you were to break down that word, it's like in uh, completion. So, so to be, so to, or toward completion. So it, the commandment it's not necessarily used in the strict sense of the term commandment uh, that like, you know, as opposed to promise, right? So it's not necessarily all law. Uh, you could talk about the broad sense of the law or the broad sense of the commandment. So this is, this is an instruction. It's something that's handed over, handed over to be complete, um, to like a task that is given 
in in this case uh an instruction that is given uh and 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 he's going to break it down as he goes along in chapters 13 and 14 and into 15 and so you 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 have Jesus saying that this is that mark of discipleship like this is how people are going to know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another and 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 you if you compare this to what he says in Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel uh uh, chapters 8 and 16, respectively. Uh, he says, whoever wants to come after me, or it's often translated, whoever wants to be my disciple uh, must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. So so we know that this includes suffering, right? And and you have you 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 have John, it's it's helpful when you're reading, especially the farewell discourses, to read John's epistles alongside them. Because John, you know, who was there. And, and wrote and recorded this this gospel account for us. He elaborates a lot on these themes, especially of this this theme of this new commandment. And so, in like First John three sixteen, uh, that's where he says, I believe uh, uh, that that this is love that uh, that he laid down his life for us, and we therefore ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Uh, is that am I right there? Uh, I think that's First John three sixteen. Yeah. 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 John, John, I mean, and you know this, and especially in his epistle, he comes back to the same topics over and over again. Yeah. So like later in First John 4, that's perhaps a little bit more well-known that we love because he first loved us. Yeah. That, but that's that same order. Yeah. And it just shows up over and over again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's just one example of many. And and so so as we unpack this, though, as we go along, we pay attention to how Jesus continues to teach this. It's not it's not just that you do nice things for one another. Um, there's this really campy song that I just can't stand whenever I hear it um, because it's so like, it just sounds so revivalistic um, is uh, the, and again, I, I'm not condemning people who, who sing it, but I just personally, just, I find it wanting. Um, they will know we're Christians by our love. Um, and well, what, let's unpack that though. What is this love? Again, the love is determined by what God has done in Christ. And then what is this love then? How is this love then? How is this elaborated then, uh, for us? Well, Jesus says, he who loves me will keep my word. And so the mark of love or the mark of discipleship or what we, we, we learn in catechism class, the mark of the church is most properly the word of Christ, right? So that, that really is at the center of that love. I mean, if you think of like Ephesians 4, where it says, uh, be, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So that, that and we're bound together by love, but what's at the center of that is that we hold in common this word of our savior, this gospel. Um, so, of course, it includes doing nice things for each other, but even deeper than that, uh, standing with each other as we confess the truth together. You know, that, that, that if, some, if, you're, if your brother in Christ is getting clobbered for, for defending the honor of Jesus and his word, you stand with him and you defend him and you confess that word with him. Uh, and, and that's the love by which they will know that you are, that you, that you are Christ's disciples. Um, and so, 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 the, and this, of course, that includes the cross, that willingness to suffer for the word. Um, and so, so this is, so then, uh, uh, it's through the word then that that Christ and His Father also dwell with the believer. So He gets into that in chapter fourteen. Um, and of course, this would this would include helping Him to bear the cross. Later on, He's gonna, uh, you know, He's gonna He's gonna get more. No, this is in chapter fourteen. He introduces the Comforter, right? Who's gonna the, the paraclete, the, the Holy Spirit, who's going to help uh, uh, with, with all of this, uh, who, 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 who speaks through the word, right? Uh, he, he, he speaks what Jesus has sent him to speak. And so at the end of chapter 14 into chapter 15, we see Jesus elaborating on what this love is. So, so he's talking first about how you are to love one another. This is really how you love is by keeping my word, and that's really the basis of your love for one another, is keeping my word. But now he's, 
he's getting into what this love as such is. What's the origin of this love? And, and what it is, it's the love he has with his father. And this is, so this is this eternal love that has existed in God. As, as John says in his, uh, in his first epistle, God is love, right? Um, so here's the love that the father has for the son, the son has for the father. And so what Jesus is doing is he's obeying the entele or the commandment given to him by his father. He's, he's, fulf he's fulfilling the law and the prophets. So, so that is the commands uh, in the strict sense, but also the promises that, that God gave to his patriarchs and through the prophets. I mean, he's doing this through his obedience and his death. He's, he's, he's going to the Father by means of the cross, by the way of the cross. And so this love, which he has had with the Father from eternity, he, in this way, he gives it to us by doing all these things for us. And so he says um, in chapter 14 as, or I believe this is 15 now. He's, he's now we're, we're, we're at the beginning of chapter 15. He says, the Father has loved me, even so I've loved you. And so again, you compare that to what John writes in his epistles. Um, you know, there's also, uh, also uh, John, First uh, John 4 verse 10 comes to mind. And that's where it says, this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. That is that, that atoning sacrifice, that, that sacrifice which turns God's wrath away. And that is at the center then of what this love is. So he doesn't just leave them with, now go and love each other. Have you ever, have you ever seen that, uh, that movie? Uh, is it called Risen? It's a, no, I don't it think came I out a few years ago and it looked like a really good movie. It had a pretty big name actor in it. And it started off really neat where it was about like some, I think it was like a centurion or something who is just overwhelmed with the evidence of the resurrection and, you know, coming to faith. But then it turned into this really campy kind of, and yeah, I don't want to knock camps, by the way. We got a camp out here. It's great. Um, I love, I love camps. Um, Bible camps are great, but, but there's, but I use the word campy and that it can, it can be just sort of a, it can easily be revivalistic is the word. Right? Yeah. Or, or even just like, like I, I, I read, uh, I went to a few uh, Bible studies and d d didn't really dig that very deeply. And, 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 and I'm, I'm more, uh, it's, it's sort of like the, 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 the seed that falls on the, on the rock and it's really on fire for the Lord. And, but anyway, that's, that's how this, the plot of this movie then was like, he walks in, he sees Jesus, the risen Christ, and everyone's just like super duper happy. And then at the end, I think at the end of the movie, his disciples who seriously look like camp counselors. And again, I was a camp counselor. So trying to, I'm not trying to knock anyone here, but it was like this kind of stereotypical, like, Hey man, you know, we're just here to love each other. And well, what do you mean? Like, but he didn't just leave them with love. Well, what is this love? And we can get into, I don't want to dwell too much on the word agape and, and uh, comparing it with the other words like eros and philias. Um, uh, is it philias? Um, or is it phileo? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that the, there's like brotherly love. There's like kind of, there's, there's carnal love or romantic love. But this agape is the, the self-giving love that he gave himself for us. And so we are to give ourselves for one another. And at the basis of this is that we are all relying on the same thing. You know, when, when, when someone, when, you know, it, it, you think of the martyrs who, who had to, you know, they were faced with execution, like the early martyrs who, uh, you know, you think of, uh, Oh man, who's the, uh, the, 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 the lady Wolf Mueller talks about her in, in one of his earlier chapters, um, of his, his book, a, a martyr's faith. We just went over it in our youth, uh, gathering. Um, oh man, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm, I'm, her name is, is slipping me, which it shouldn't. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? No. And I, I, I know. He, there's one in particular that he talks about, and he, I think he says Luther talks about her a lot, and I, her name escapes me as yeah. well. Yeah. 
Um, but good, good reason but, to to pick up Pastor Wolf Mueller's book. Yeah, yeah, a martyr's faith. Yeah, that, exactly. But so, so Perpetua—that's her name, Perpetua. There you go. And she was, uh, she was, she was put on trial. Her father brings her newborn son out and, and is begging her to have mercy on her son, have mercy on your mother. Just, just, you know, uh, uh, burn the incense to the emperor, right? Burn the incense to the false gods. And she says, "I am a Christian." Right. And that, that, and what is she doing there though? She's, she's, she's confessing the same word as her fellow disciples who are also being put to death. And that, that is what this love is. The love isn't just being nice. It's, it's not just having a positive attitude. Certainly it gives you joy. And right before this in, in, in verse 11, before we start here in, 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 chapter 15 verse 12 jesus talks about how his joy is being completed well how is it being completed you know uh, the, the, it is through this word and 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 again i want to go back to that kind of breaking down that word for commandment entele uh it's like entelomai right so so it it, it is it, it 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 has it carries with it and not to put too much of uh emphasis on the etymology because i know how you can't always nail down the meaning of word just by its by by its roots um but it is interesting how jesus often talks about completing his joy and completing their joy and this is the whole point of these discourses these farewell discourses is that he's going to fulfill what he came to fulfill for them and they in loving one another, that is, in holding on to the same word, to the same doctrine, um, being bound together in that love that has existed from eternity, uh, they, 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 their joy will be complete. So this is, there's so much more we could say about this, but this kind of gives us a, you know, catches a, us up a bit, I suppose, to uh, where we yeah. are here. Oh, for sure. And and the, the beauty of, of our text for today is that you do see so many of the things that Jesus has already talked about in this discourse and that he'll continue to elaborate on. They really come together in this text. I don't I've not done a, a structural analysis of these chapters, but they're these words seem very central, not only in terms of their position within the chapters, but in the themes that come up in these chapters. It's like this This is where we're being drawn to as some of the very central teaching that Jesus is giving to his disciples on this night when he's about to be betrayed. So let's go ahead and, and take a look at this text. This is John 15, beginning at verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another." That's our text for today. That's John 15, verses 12 to 17. <laughs> Pastor Price, we've talked at length about love, and I think we really could spend the whole show talking about love and the way that the scriptures define it for us and the way that Jesus defines it for us, and the necessity of sticking with what the scriptures teach us about love rather than falling into that generic sort of love that you were talking about, just being nice to each other, which it's always striking how that sort of, quote, love tends to devolve into lovelessness and lawlessness mm -hmm. because it just becomes, I get to do whatever I want because it makes me happy and you need to be nice to me while I do whatever it is that makes me happy. That's, that's the sort of, quote, love that our world will put before us, which, as you said, is not what Jesus is giving. His love is a matter of suffering. It's a, ma well, not, it's a matter of yeah. being willing to suffer yeah. for the sake of the word sacrificing your own sinful desires for the the sake of your brother. I mean, so the love that Jesus gives is a real love. And, and again, we could spend the whole time talking about that. But, but one thing I do want to pick up before we leave the idea of love, you know, behind, not, not entirely, because it's going to keep coming up, but just this, this thought that this is Jesus' new commandment. Mm -hmm. 
and, and you know, you were talking about how we have really the summary of Jesus' whole teaching here, love one another, command, as I have loved you, promise. What What is it about this moment that that makes this, as you said, a new commandment? Why is, why is this something new? I mean, the whole of the scriptures is love God, love neighbor. What What's different at this moment? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question this this is connected again to this theme of being complete of 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 being fulfilled jesus comes to fulfill the law and the prophets he comes that to do all of this stuff so that so that his joy and the joy of of his 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 brethren would be complete and so john in his first epistle uh, chapter 2 he talks about this, this new commandment, and he says, uh, beginning of verse 7, he says, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So, the, So it's not that this is... This, it's, it's not new in the sense that it didn't exist un, un, until this point. Um, and I, was talking to, I was talking about this as well to my, uh, to my catechism class, that we don't call the New Testament the New Testament uh, because these things you know, were, were, didn't exist uh, before, but rather these things hadn't been fulfilled. They hadn't been fully manifested. And so you have the promises. You have both the law and the promises in the Old Testament and, and you know, through the prophets. But these things remained hidden. They, be, they were hidden under, under types or shadows, uh, such as you know, the sacrificial system, the, the tabernacle temple, uh, the you know, other events that happened like the Exodus uh, and, 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 and the worship of God. And and in and then the promises themselves, which are pointing to the coming Savior, they also are sort of enigmatic. We might use that word. They're like an enigma. They're 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 like a parable, you know. And they're and and what what does Jesus say? The purpose of parables is is to hide the mysteries of God from those who think that they're so smart, who are too wise for God, um, and to reveal them to the humble, to the to to babies. <laughs> And, and this is, so what makes it new is that it's been fulfilled. And this gives us confidence then in actually putting it into practice in, you know, pursuing true church fellowship that is love because we are all depending on that bond of peace, on that word of Christ uh, who spoke peace from his resurrection and fulfills our joy. And he has, he has put away the darkness. He is the light who shines in the darkness and his word shines in the darkness. And that's why this commandment or this instruction or this doctrine is new. It's always new. And it's the same thing with like, we talk about, uh, uh, you know, Psalm 98 or, uh, or uh, you know, the, the Isaiah 12, you know, talk about singing a new song. Uh, to the Lord. Well, what makes it new? Uh, I, I mentioned I was talking about this in a sermon a while back. Um, what makes a new song new isn't that it was written yesterday or by Hillsong in the 1990s. Um, <laughs> what makes it new is that it declares the gospel and the mercies of God, which, as Lamentations chapter three says, are new every morning. Because they give us new life and they renew the, the Holy Spirit within us, the joy of salvation. And that is why this commandment is new. It's, a, you know, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you uh, and learn from me because my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, is his yoke easy and light, in, you know, according to the, as far as the flesh is concerned? No, it kills the old Adam. You know, we go through the cross. But he calls it easy and light because what makes it easy and light is the promise of the gospel. It's the new life that is, that is given freely to us. And that's what makes our burdens light. It's what makes our song new. It's what makes the doctrine that we confess, that we might 
learn by rote memory, which is a good practice to do, uh, that we might, but we might treat it like it's just, you know, passe or it's, or it's just old because it's something we've learned our whole lives. Um, but it's always new because of the promise that, 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 that is at the center of that doctrine, the righteousness uh, of our savior, which covers up our sins and, and, uh, and renews us continually by his Holy Spirit. So that's what makes this commandment or this instruction or doctrine new. Yeah, yeah, and I would, I would say that, that that makes this then the only thing that really is new under the sun, to use the language of, of Solomon Ecclesiastes. Yeah. What is that thing that is new under the sun? It is this gospel, this love that, that Christ has shown for us, and then in the resurrection is made full and complete. I mean, yeah, so that is the new thing that God is doing. His mercies are new every morning for that reason. And so we sing that new song founded on that solid doctrine, that solid teaching, the word of Christ that remains forever. We're going to keep looking at this text on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking with Pastor Andrew Preuss this morning about John chapter 15. We'll be right back. Please stick around. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, March 22nd. We're studying John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17 with Pastor Andrew Preuss. He serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in New Haven, Missouri. Pastor Preuss, prior to the break, we talked about this new commandment that Jesus gives. He fulfills it in the love that he has. He speaks about that love in verse 13. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Uh, talk from that verse about this greater love that Jesus has about laying down his life. And then from that, also take us into this, this thing that Jesus says to his disciples, where he now is going to call them friends and the significance of that. Yeah. Yeah. So th this greater love, uh, th this, uh, you know, he's further elaborating on, on love. Right. And so, so here, what he's doing is he's, he's exalting his disciples from slaves to friends. And the way that he's doing this is by describing first describing what he is, what he's doing that he's giving up his life for his friends. But in, in one full swoop, he's both describing his own act of giving up his life uh, with, with, with also identifying them with, with a new identity. Now I want to mention uh, one thing about that giving up his life. John uses this, uh, you know, we hear Jesus speak this way in John's gospel, uh, where he uses that word for, for give up his life, uh, is, is he uses the word tithemi. And something that's very helpful when we go through the gospels and really go through any of the scriptures, you know, when we, we know that this is all about Christ, it's all about the atonement. That's the, that's where, you know, as Jesus's eyes in Luke, you know, uh, are set toward Jerusalem. Uh, they're set toward the cross. So that's how it is throughout the scriptures. And so, so one of the, one of the great, you know, props for that is the temple. And so what would you do? What would the, the, what would the, the priest do with the sacrifice? He would set the sacrifice on the temple. So I like to translate this giving of his life uh, is and and this word life, you know, suke is where we get the word soul or or you know, psychology, uh, uh, the or the care of the soul. Uh, it, he gives us his entire self, his entire life, his entire being. He sets it on the altar. So when I was going over this, at a, I had a confirmation retreat uh, like a month ago uh, with the with with the children. And I, when we were, we were going through John ch chapter 10 and I, and I was saying, 
he sets his life up on the altar of the cross. That's what the good shepherd does. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's setting his life on the altar. Um, and, and this is, this is during, this is during, uh, the, the, you know, the feast of, uh, of Passover, right? They're, they're, right. they're, they're right. What, right outside of Jerusalem at this time. And so this is a great theme that is surrounding them. It's very much, it's very much in the background and really in the forefront that Jesus is setting his life up for his friends. Um, and so, so, so then to, to focus on that, that, that concept of friends, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to note, and I, I remember reading this when I was, I took a, um, a Greek class with, uh, Dr. Nordling in, uh, at Fort Wayne, uh, years ago. And we, we read, we read, I don't think we read the whole, we didn't read through the whole thing, but we read quite a bit of first Maccabees, uh, in the Greek. And at the beginning of first Maccabees, I remember talking about Alexander the great, that his generals, you know, inherited his kingdom. And, but it referred to, to them as his friends. And so this word, what is it, philos, uh, it can mean, it can mean like associates, right? Uh, that they, they are, they are this, these official associates, those who have been appointed by him. Um, so a friend is, you know, and of course, Jesus is, is much greater than earthly conqueror. And Jesus freely gives his life up for his friends while Alexander died suddenly. Um, but his friends are much more than just mutual friends. They're not just buddies. But he's, he, has, he has, by establishing or setting up his life upon the altar of the cross, he's establishing something, right? And that, that, goes, that, that carries with it the... the the same theme that the that word commandment does as well, where the commandment is something that's established. It's handed over. Uh, he is he is establishing something new. He is fulfilling it and and establishing this friendship. Uh, and 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 so it's not something that they're just they're just buddies, right? They don't like fall in love with Jesus or like he's, he's not their boyfriend or whatever, you know. Uh, that that or whatever well, kind. I mean. Go ahead. Well, here he, you know, he he defines what it means for them to be his friends here, and I think what yes. what's because he he says, you know, what it means that you are my friends. It was, this is verse uh, fifteen, yeah. because everything that he has heard from his father, he makes known. So the the reason they're his friends is because he's giving them these words from the father, so that they know what the father is up to, so that they know what Jesus is up to, and that's what makes them his friends. I I do find that very important in this context, especially in, in verse 13, where Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Always, I don't know if you've ever made this connection. I've, I've always heard this, and I think about what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 5, where he talks about Christ dying for us while we were his enemies mm-hmm. or while we were sinners, and then thinking about the way Jesus speaks in the Sermon on the Mount and elsewhere about the, the love that the Father calls us to is not just love for our friends, but also for our enemies. Yeah, yeah. And I've always like, well, okay, then how is it that greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends? You know, why, why not enemies? And I think, you know, we want to keep these things together so that we don't make yeah. the friends here like, oh, Jesus really likes these guys and they did something special to be his friends. And that's why he lays down his life for them. Right. Yeah. We, we want to keep those verses in mind so that we understand that the friendship that Jesus has with these disciples and with us is something that he gives to us, even though we don't deserve it. And the, the way he gives it is through giving us his word. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's why he makes that clear as he goes along, uh, especially where he says, you know, I do not anymore refer to you as servants or really as slaves, doulous, you know. Um, yeah. But but what he but to back up a little bit in, in verse 14, he says, sure. you are my friends if you do what I commanded you. Um, and this, this the, here is he's a, the verbal form of entele, you know, command. Um, it should, it, it's the same word that he uses in Matthew 28 when he says, 
when he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, go make disciples or teach uh, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it says, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. Um, and, and, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that whatever I have commanded you, that is what he has handed over to them. So if you were doing that which I have handed over for you to do, I've entrusted you. So, so he's specifically talking to the disciples as you know, referring to what they're going to do as apostles, right? As preachers of the word. Um, and certainly this, this, this is applied to every Christian, um, uh, uh, you know, through this, uh, because we are all as Christians, uh, set up by him, uh, as, uh, as children of God, uh, you know, he, but, but, but here specifically, he's, he's, he's instructing them on, you know, doing the duty that he has handed over to them. And, the, and, and, and this, this, what I have commanded you is, is to love one another, right? And that's how it certainly applies to every Christian. So whether you're the preacher or you're, or you're just, you're confessing, right? In whatever station in life you're in, that is being Jesus's friend, his associate, his close, uh, his, 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 his close, you know, comrade, uh, you know, that, and, and, uh, but yeah, that is, but it's not, it's not that he, so just to echo what you said there, it's not, it's not that he is dying for them because he, because they have, they're so much better than everyone else. Um, no, he dies for all, even his enemies. Um, but what John is, what Jesus is focusing on here in John's gospel is this love for one another, right? He's focusing on the Christians themselves. So, you know, Paul says in Galatians 6 that, that at every opportunity we should do good to all people. But then he says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So there's this specific focus on the sheep of Christ, right? You know, John makes it very clear in, or, you know, John's gospel makes it very clear uh, that Jesus died for the whole world, right? Uh, that, that uh, you know, second, first John 2, 2 says he's the propitiation for our sins, not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Uh, John three sixteen, God loved the world so that he gave, right? But here he's focusing on the sheep, the members of his church, of his flock. And, and that, that friendship is that, you know, being appointed for eternal life. That, and, and specifically here, appointed to be knit together in love as, as they all bear the word together in whatever station they might be in. And here specifically, he's talking to his apostles. Yeah, well, and I think, and again, that, that was all very helpful. The thing that, that stands out to me here with, you know, where he says, no longer do I call you servants, now I call you friends, or slaves is a, a, perhaps a better way of under, understanding that. I, I, there's just these, there's a number of ways that the scriptures refer to us as Christians and the way that we relate to our Lord. So he's, you know, he still does call us servants or slaves, right? I mean, Paul identifies himself like this throughout his epistles, that mm -hmm. he is a slave of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But, and so there's, I guess there's, there's comfort found in all of these, even in, in the context of this discourse, you, you brought up the new commandment back in chapter 13, right there, Jesus called them little children. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, so he calls us servants and slaves, and there's a comfort to that. There's a comfort to being the children. There's a comfort to being the friends. Later in the in the gospel, after he he's raised from the dead, he's going to call them brothers. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. there's another title that's given to us, and in each of these, there's an an aspect of Jesus' love for us that that we would take comfort in what he's giving to us as he names us these various things. Yeah, yeah, and they all represent that. Again, there's that theme of completion, uh, maturity, yeah. right? So, so Paul is going to call himself, you know, a slave of Jesus. Uh, because he's in, he's, he's bearing his burden. Like that's the, the, he's, he's, he's in a state of humiliation just as Jesus was. And that's how we all are, but hidden under this, 
is this great status as children of God and not just children, but heirs. So not just mm -hmm. immature children, but, but we mature to, to manhood. Right. And, and, and so, so then there's, so, so we, we can take comfort in each of these titles, even slave, because Jesus yeah. took on the form of a slave. Um, and, and he bears with us, but we take comfort in each of these titles, whether it's children or friends or brethren, um, because they're teaching us something very specific about what God's going, what God has accomplished for us in Christ. And Jesus is speaking to them as if he's already done all this stuff, right? As if it's already done. Um, but, but, but this is not all going to be realized right away. You know, we know what's going to happen here. You know, Peter's going to deny him. They're, they're all going to flee from him, stand at a distance, um, except for John, apparently, you know, well, John is, is for a while, uh, at the foot of the cross, uh, with Mary, but, but you have, you have a lot of crosses and, and darkness that is, that's in the Christian life. Uh, but these titles, children, um, and, and friends and, uh, and brethren, these are for specific comfort, teaching us that though you tarry as a slave, it seems like you were a slave. You are actually not under the law, even though it feels like it, yeah. like you are. Yeah, yeah, and and again, there's the comfort here, particularly for the disciples at this moment, to be the friends of Jesus, to know that what Jesus has received from His Father, He is now giving to them. In, in this context, you know, especially what he's teaching them about his death and resurrection, you, you know, you, you said they don't quite get it here. Throughout this discourse, there have been spots where Jesus has said, I'm telling you th th these things ahead of time so that when they happen, you will believe, mm -hmm. right? So that this is strength for them through this, this coming hour so that when they see it happen, they'll recognize, oh yeah, Jesus told us about that and they'll put their faith in him. Yep. Again, this makes them his friends. He is giving them all that he has heard from his father. And again, in verse 16, we have another reminder then that this is not a some sort of a mutual thing. Hey, Jesus, I want to be your buddy. Rather, Jesus says, no, I chose you. Mm. And, and he continues to elaborate then what that choosing entails. He appoints them and they start to bear fruit that abides. Take us into verse 16. Yeah. So in verse 16, it's... It's not a mutual friendship, right? We we don't choose him; uh, he chooses us. Uh, as Paul says in Romans nine verse sixteen, uh, it's not of him who runs, nor of him who wills, but of God who shows mercy. This here, this is one of the the, the best passages uh, against decision theology. I remember, I, I remember this verse sticking out to me when I first read the New Testament. I was I was uh, I think a freshman in high school, and uh, uh, I was. I had a, a evangelical free classmate who I would argue with about free will. And, and this passage that just stuck out to me like, oh yeah, uh, Jesus chose us. And, and actually, no, I think what had happened, I, um, I think this was right around the time, maybe I just finished my freshman year of high school. I was reading through the New Testament and, and my dad, we were, we were at, we were at uh, Glacier National Park. And, and, uh, we were visiting this, this friend of the family who's a pastor, uh, he's still alive, um, in his nineties and he's, uh, still, still preaching. And, uh, but anyway, at the time this guy showed up and was handing out this tract for some, you know, for his church. And at first pastor Benson, the, the older pastor we were visiting said, Oh no, get go away. We don't want any of that. You know, that, that you, and then, uh, and then, but then my dad engaged him and said, Oh, well, what is this about? And then he, you know, he was promoting it and it was basically Baptist theology. And then before I knew it, he and my dad are in this argument about baptismal regeneration and free will. And, and, uh, That's such a Lutheran thing to have. Yeah, I know. And then uh, <laughs> I think one of the park rangers had to come and like tell them to stop. <laughs> it got kind of heated. But it was very, I'm glad it happened because it made me really think about this stuff. And it's funny how free will, even though I had learned the catechism, I had learned I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. And also at that time, no, 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 it was a year after that. Never mind. I ended up reading The Bondage of the Will like a year after that. But like it just hadn't quite sunk in. And so I remember reading this. I was like, 
you did not choose me. I chose you. I'm like, that's so clear right there. And it's so comforting to know that this doesn't depend on how well we did in choosing him. Of course, we do every day as new creatures in Christ make a choice to, to you know, praise him, to, to follow him. You know, that, that certainly is true for the new man. But our salvation never has ever depended upon a choice that we make. And as, as, as Jesus says in John 6, this is God's work that you believe in him, in him whom he sent. But then what he does is he gets into the fruit. Um, and he says that the fruit that they bear will remain. Now, I want to I bring up again this, this, uh, this theme of the temple and of what's going on. So if you, if you, a good place to go to, to understand this stuff, a good summary of the, of the feasts is Leviticus chapter 23. And so here you have, they're in, they're, it's during the Passover, and they're about to start the feast, which is a week-long feast of, uh, of unleavened bread, right? Well, if you read there in, in Leviticus 23, there's another feast right in the middle. So you have these feasts kind of piled on top of each other. You got the Passover, you got the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and th that whole thing is eventually just known as the Feast of Passover. Um, but then the, the, then there's the Sabbath day, which is when Jesus rests in the tomb. And then the day after the Sabbath, uh, during the Feast of First Fruits. Do you remember what that feast is called? Or sorry, I just gave it away. During the Feast of, uh, of Unleavened Bread. Do you know what that, <laughs> it's called? The Feast of First yeah, Fruits? Yeah, the Feast of First okay. Fruits. Ah, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> That's what you get for trying to ask I could never be a comedian because I would just like give away the punch punchline, <laughs> you know, uh, way too early. Um, but anyway, yeah, the 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 feast of first fruits. That's what's that's what's going to happen. So Jesus is making an allusion to his resurrection. He's going to be the first fruit from the dead. I believe that's in First Corinthians fifteen. Uh, uh, yeah, that that he's referred to as the first fruit from the dead, and and so that just as the 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 grain as Jesus and Jesus makes allusion to this also in in chapter twelve where he says unless unless a grain uh, a seed of grain falls to the ground and dies then it remains alone but if it dies then it bears much fruit so the fruit that they bear what is this fruit well Jesus is going to get into this more in chapter seventeen when he prays for them. And he says, I pray not only for these, but for those who will believe through the word that they preach. So the fruit that remains is primarily the other brothers in Christ, the other, the, the other Christians. Of course, brothers includes girls and women as well, right? Those who are heirs of eternal life, who love each other while, while relying on the word. And that now, of course, this fruit includes also works of love, right? Uh, you know, we call good works. Uh, but, but it isn't just about whether they bear fruit, but that they will endure, that this fruit will endure. And this includes the fruit, this fruit includes those who believe the word that they have been commanded to teach, um, as well as the love that will remain, that binds us together. And it's hidden under the cross, it's hidden under all sorts of affliction, but it will remain. As Paul says, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so, so, so then, uh, uh, you know, Christ, he, he's going to reveal this. He's going to reveal uh, on the last day that as Paul says in Philippians chapter one, that he who began this good work in you, namely faith will bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be complete. And so, so the greatest fruit then as, and the greatest mark of this fruit is this confidence of faith to pray for anything in Jesus' name. And so, 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 what is, so what does Jesus say there? Uh, he says, um, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I, uh, 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 he will give you, right? And, and so this, is, this confidence of prayer, this hope in an expectation that God will give you what he promises that is at the center of the fruit. Hmm. 
So take us then into the, we've got about three minutes here. So take us into the the final verse where Jesus, he comes back to the idea of love. That really is where our conversation is centered today. Help us into that final verse, wrap things up for us this morning. Sure. How much time do we have left? About three minutes. Okay. Before I do that, one one final quick thing in verse 16 I forgot to mention. I mentioned that Jesus says he, he gives his life, you know, that he gives his life for his friends. He gives his life for the sheep, right? That word titemi he uses, forgive, or sets up. He uses that same word when he says, I did, you did not choose me, but I chose you. That is, the, then he says, and have appointed you uh, that you might bear fruit. That is, he has set them up. Where has he placed them? In, on his cross, on the altar with him, on his cross, in the tomb with him, in their, you know, as, as we in our baptism are joined to him, we are set up, uh, uh, placed uh, with him on, 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 his, on, on his throne, on the mercy seat. Um, so then with verse 17, it's really simple. It just wraps it all up, right? Uh, These things I command you that you might love one another. So what he's done is he's he's returned to this new commandment by saying, by by saying love one another as I have loved you, and then he elaborates on it, saying like this is this the the love that by which I have loved you is this that I give my life for you, um, and this is how you're going to share in this is in, in that I have established you um, to bear fruit. I have chosen you and established you to bear fruit, and this is then. This, and then he just ends by saying, so that this is, I've commanded you these things. That is, I've taught you these things. These things I've just explained to you are so, again, that you would love one another. That's what the love of one another is. It's all the stuff that he says there. That is relying on his word, giving your life for one another, bearing fruit, and, 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 and benefiting from the, the friendship, the true friendship which Christ has established uh, by making peace by the blood of his cross. Pastor Andrew Preuss is pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in New Haven, Missouri. He's been helping us today to study John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. Pastor Preuss, thanks for being our guest today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is the love that the Lord Jesus Christ has shown to you and to me. He has laid down his life. He has placed it upon the altar of the cross, sacrificing himself for our sins. And now he has been raised for our justification. He speaks his word to us that we might keep it, that we might show that same love to each other, laying down our lives, suffering for the sake of his word, remaining true to him unto eternal life. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about the gospel according to St. John, send us an email. Send it to kfuo at kfuo.org. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.